0: Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. I'm your host, Nick, and tonight's show is an interview with Shaking the Southlands' own Ryan Cantor. Hope you guys enjoy the interview, and before we get started, just wanted to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast um, on your favorite podcasting app or on SoundCloud. You can find us there at soundcloud.com slash clemsonpodcast. We're also on Twitter. We are at Clemson Podcast there. You can follow along there or on our Facebook page. Um, and we'd appreciate telling your friends about the podcast, Um, and if you haven't done so yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. It's a great way to get the word out about um, those looking for Clemson content leading into the football season. It's a great way for them to find out about us and our show. Uh, We will be putting out a number of recordings between now and the football season, gearing up for that, um, along with season predictions, probably a couple of more interviews. So uh, be sure you're subscribed up, and you can uh, make sure you don't miss any of our shows. Thank you very much. Hope you guys enjoy this interview with Ryan Cantor. Go Tigers! Unbelievable.
1: Cool. Ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the streak than Death Valley.
0: Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. This is your host, Nick. I'm pleased to be joined today by uh, Ryan Cantor from Shaking the Southland. Ryan, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a while since we've had you on. I believe it was uh, the the dark days of uh, March in the basketball season. Uh, We were gearing up for the ACC tourney the last time we caught up. Sadly, it was. Things were a lot more pessimistic at that time of year. Yeah. We were back. It's summer. uh, Tomorrow's the first day of August. Um, I believe camp broke today, so uh, we're gearing back up for football. So um, you've been doing quite a bit of writing lately on the site on shakingthesouthland.com. Um, really excited to catch up, you know, hear a little bit about that process. And um, maybe maybe to go all the way back, though, to the end of last season, um, curious what your game-watching experience was like from the national championship game. As far as watching the national championship game? Yeah, how'd you take the game in? What was talk to me maybe in a couple minutes through uh, your game day.
1: Yeah, sure. So, you know, we had lost the year prior and I was in Phoenix for that one. Um, Certainly wasn't going to miss this one. Um, So made the trip down. We got tickets through the school, um, got into the game early. Tampa was just a terrible, terrible scene. Horribly organized. Every bar you couldn't get into. Uh, The stadium was kind of dumpy. And then uh, trying to get into the stadium was a 45-minute wait, or maybe not that long, maybe a half-hour wait to fight through the, the longest lines. When you finally got to the front of the line, they didn't have trash cans, so everyone had just dropped their beer cans, so you had to wade through beer. It was like fighting, fighting to get into this championship. And Contrast then... Contrast that with
0: Arizona, which I thought... I mean, I was at that game. I did not go to Tampa, but that the game at uh, University of Phoenix Stadium was so well-organized, so well-run. Um, you know, tailgating, the bar scene there, etc., was just... Uh, surgical. It's obvious why they're hosting things like Super Bowls and college football playoffs all the time.
1: Yeah, I mean Phoenix was unbelievable. So well organized. So many great events. We had uh, the big Dawkins party in Phoenix, and there were superstars everywhere. C.J. Spiller was there. Sam Watkins was there. I mean, the whole scene was unbelievable. But obviously, games were reversed. So you get into the game in Tampa, and you know we fall down fourteen nothing pretty quick, and it was just incredibly stressful the whole time. But those last, really just the fourth quarter, because we scored a minute into the fourth quarter, was just the best football I've ever seen after three really stressful, painful quarters.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We uh, just caught up. I know they were replaying um, the top five games of this past year on ESPN Saturday night. And coincidentally, uh, we got the San Francisco alumni group together at our alumni bar, and we were going to just, we played sort of a recorded stream of the game, um, at the same time coincidentally and um, just great to kind of relive that with our crew out here Um, agree with you on the fourth quarter just so intense heading up up to that point we definitely watched the fourth quarter of the national championship on my bachelor party and it was glorious (laughs) excellent well uh imagine you took sort of a mental exhaustion break after the game we obviously took a hiatus here at the podcast but uh, we're back into it you know signing day was big spring spring practice and spring ball was was great to take in and um, here we are we've got you know the true freshmen on campus, the whole crews together um, and just excited for the upcoming season. Um, maybe to pivot into a couple things I wanted to talk about, you put a post up recently related to um, maybe more of a macro look ahead in the college football landscape of who are the 15 programs that are most most geared up for success in the coming years? And um, you know definitely have a few questions there and I love this topic because I think it, it not only takes a, a close look at you know what's coming this season, and we'll get into that, but um, takes a look ahead at the viability of these programs. It this question or this topic touches a little bit also on which coaches you think are just you know poised for the future. Um, there's there's the angle of finances to these things. So, um, how could you talk me through how you kind of thought up this idea and what were some of your criteria for looking at evaluating programs and teams and. Uh, kind of how you did your research
1: sure so um this idea came to me because a while ago um, we had some posts up by other writers about what it takes to be elite. is clemson elite um and they, they try to quantify it um i i personally think that elite is very qualitative right it's it's a feeling you just know ohio state as elite it doesn't matter how many championships they have you just everyone just knows they are um but so anyway that was that was kind of the thought thinking about who's elite Thinking about what we've accomplished over the last couple of years and, and thinking, man, we're we're one of those teams now. I wonder where we stack up. So I started thinking about it. And the hardest part really was figuring out how long the, the time horizon should be. Because if you make it 40, 50 years, then you can just list it by the last 40, 50 years, um, more or less. But if you make it five years, then you're just looking at how we've done the last few years, who we have coming in, the current coaching staff. And it's really just a very short-term look. So 15 years is tricky. Because you got to consider the current state of the program. That was one of the top criteria. Current state. Obviously, Clemson has a fantastic current state of the program. Great coach, great players. Um, Things right now are very good. Um, But then, since it is 15 years and not just five, got to look a little bit out. So the tradition is going to have a big impact on what happens if your coach leaves. Um, Your school without a lot of tradition is going to be a lot harder to hire than if you were Texas. And you could bring in the best of the best. Yeah, um, and this looks
0: beyond your immediate recruiting horizon. You know, even even the the most broad scale of kind of early stage recruiting is what three years out for the most part for a stable coaching right. staff. So, um, yeah, this takes it a definitely a, a bit of a longer view.
1: And then resources, and this is where I had to do probably the most research. Kind of layering on, uh, and this isn't really quantitative either, but kind of just layering: how much revenue do they generate? Um, I was surprised to learn that Texas A and M was number one last year even above Texas, um, in revenue. And then how good are their facilities? So Georgia had very good revenue, but their facilities are a bit behind and they're catching up there. Um, and then lastly, the one that I caught the most flack on from, from commenters, and it was probably the most, uh, the one that was most disagreeable disagreeable to folks because, frankly, it's the one that some of the schools at North got hit the hardest on, was location. So is it a location that attracts players, has, is surrounded by good recruits, hotbed of recruiting, um, and is easy to bring fans in. So you think about like a Florida, Florida State, obviously a huge advantage over a Notre Dame or a Michigan.
0: I think the last point you made is is key, is, is the interest of fans. So there may be a lot of talent um, among football in the Northeast, but is that really, is college football really something in the fall that gets people, people going and excited? Not as much, and I think that's where a program that's otherwise talented and hitting on all cylinders, like a Penn State, their alumni base is very much locked into the Northeast, and even we've, we've talked about Boston College, an ACC kind of foe of Clemson's. Um, they're going to have a tough time unless they can kind of take a broader recruiting approach um, in the coming years.
1: Yeah, Ohio State was one that I looked at, um, and they did they do a great job recruiting across the whole country because while Ohio, Ohio does have good high school football, they're pretty far from Florida, but their brand their tradition and their research are so great, they pull from wherever they need to.
0: Definitely. Well, let's let's get into this list. I mean, in terms of you mentioned the ones that <clears throat> Alabama, Ohio State. I mean, these are these are ones that are uh, no brainers. They're going to be you know for the most part unarguably in the top five overall. Um, and then you move into Florida State and Southern Cal, um, two teams that have won titles, uh, multiple titles in the last fifteen or so years. If we take if we look backwards, um, I think Florida State might have might have had to go into the. Into the uh, 1999 era to get get their second one, but um, no 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 real question about these either. That you know Southern Cal has had a little bit of struggle in the Pete Carroll wake, wake of his tenure, um, especially with the Reggie Bush scandal. But they reload, they're back, they're well resourced in Southern Cal there, and of course um, you know tradition. They're among the, the real blue bloods in any era of college football, right?
1: Yeah, I mean the top three and uh, Alabama, Ohio State, Florida State, in that order um were probably the easiest three that I put down. Um Southern Cal was one that I had much lower. And as I did more and more research, I kept moving them up, moving them up, moving them up. They have um eleven national championships. Um a handful of those are split, but but that's just an incredible number. Um and you know when the last couple of years they haven't been fantastic. So you almost forget just how dominant they were for so long. Um, and in California they're really the only really great football school. UCLA is really not much of a football school. It's totally a basketball school. Jordan Farmer and all the players coming out of there. It's a basketball school, and there's not much else in the state except a ton of high school talent. So they really have a great advantage there.
0: Yeah. They overindex on that. I mean, it's a very small school, it's a private school. Um, so it's, yeah, they continue to remain relevant. Um, and really, in their down period, that's when you saw schools like Oregon step up and kind of fill that void. But Seems like the pendulum's swinging the other way. We'll see how much Washington can hold them off in the next few years, but they're definitely up there. Um, who do you have at number five? So number five was Clemson, um, and, and I
1: had Clemson solidly around the four to six uh, range um, on the very first draft, first blush that, that felt right, and the debate was are they above or below Southern Cal, and then the two other schools I was really debating with is LSU and Florida. Um, it was hard for me to move them above LSU in Florida, but it's been it's been a little while for Florida, and, and LSU hasn't been so long, but but Clemson did beat them in 2012, and they've pretty much been better ever since. And then I think the big kicker for LSU, new coaching staff, pretty unproven. We're only talking 15 years, so if they struggle here for three, four years, and then a new coach comes in and has to rebuild your talk in maybe half that time horizon, seven, eight years before they're potentially better than Clemson, so that's how Clemson ended up above both of those schools.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's exactly right. And they, they both seem fairly similar to me in that, you know, pretty good tradition, especially in the last 20 years or so, um, have had some winning coaches come through there, but at the same time, the current regimes are not ones that I would bet either of those coaches will be around in the next three years. So, um, if, you know, maybe they are resourced enough and have talent in the location, et cetera, to regroup from that and make a really big hire. But, um, you know, really put them into that top five is kind of a struggle. Um, Clemson, I mean, that may that may prove to be true. I mean, I think that you're definitely over-indexing there and the stability that Dabo Sweeney brings you. We're hearing a lot about the house he's building in the area. So um, really it's about, I, I, I think you kind of give Clemson the extra bump there based on stability at the moment.
1: Yeah, the one knock on on Clemson, uh, I guess the two knocks. The tradition, I mean, it's it's really... As Dabo says, these are, these are the golden era. This These are the good old days, right? So tradition's not quite there. Um, and the revenue's kind of lagging behind. It's it's outside of the top 25 at 27th last year. Um, so a little bit of ground to make up there, but they're behind Florida State and Louisville Louisville because their basketball program is so profitable.
0: Yeah, I think that's something that over time we'll see what the revenue picture looks like. Um, you know, winning championships brings a whole new shine to... Uh, donors' wallets and kind of the, the boosters around, around the country um, coming back to support Clemson. I think in addition, the ACC media contracts um, through the ACC network, those are going to improve. Um, that's not accounted for in any of the financial metrics we're, able, we're privy to yet. So um, I don't expect Clemson to vault into the, you know, the, the, the teens or the top ten of finances per se. Uh, but we definitely should make some progress there, and I think what we know about the athletic department, the coaching staff, et cetera, is that they know how to take finite resources and get the most out of it. Um, they know how to do that both with people, talent, recruiting talent, and you know financial um, resources as well. So um, more money, I think they're going to put that to good use.
1: I agree. Yeah, they they've proven it, and one of the reasons I didn't didn't ding them too much on resources because while the revenue is a little lower. The facilities already are fantastic, so they're not playing catch-up like a Georgia, who has uh, more
0: revenue, but is trying to play catch-up in the facility arms race. Yeah, for sure. Um, maybe to round out your top ten, you mentioned um, you went uh, Clemson, LSU, and then Florida. Um, the top ten after that goes Michigan at eight, Oklahoma nine, and Texas at ten. Um, sort of a definitely a difference <laughs> difference across the board between those. Um, in terms of state of the program, Michigan's probably a little bit more on the upswing with stability and coaching around Jim Harbaugh coming back. Um, they do have pretty strong tradition. I'm not sure I agree with the A-plus there, um, but just because they haven't done a lot lately. I mean, I On think Oklahoma? They, I'm talking about Michigan. Actually, they get a lot of benefit oh, okay. of the doubt, but it's really been two decades since they've been in that title conversation. Um in the Charles Woodson era, so yeah, the, the nineteen
1: ninety seven Rose Bowl. That's true. Um, they are the the winningest program of all time. Um, they have one of the highest profile coaches. So, I mean, especially up north, I feel people do know Michigan is is an elite brand, and and tradition is largely about about the brand. So that's how they earn such a high ranking.
0: Makes sense. Um, I think they they also overcome location like like the like the Ohio State Buckeyes do in their ability to recruit cross country. Um, in addition, I mean, I think Michigan gets the edge in terms of academics too. Um, very good school, so that that has to um, bear on, on some recruiting battles as well. Um, so yeah, I think Michigan probably squarely in the top ten when we look ahead a decade and a half. Um, you had Oklahoma next. That's interesting in that um, both Oklahoma and Texas, right after them, good tradition as football powers. Um Oklahoma maybe is in a better state coming off the Bob Stoops era. Texas has had a long run of kind of disappointment at the coaching staff, um, but they they reloaded this year with Tom Herman coming in. Why would you, maybe, I'm not sure how much you debated this, but um, what makes you think Oklahoma is necessarily better suited for a 15-year run? That actually was uh, a back-and-forth I had, because when I first started,
1: I just assumed Texas would be uh, a lot higher than 10, but Oklahoma's, pretty much dominated the Big 12 the last handful of years, whereas Texas has been really bad. Uh, Oklahoma's history, um, I think it's kind of a... Uh, folks don't quite know that their history is a good bit richer than Texas's history. In fact, since World War II, they have the most wins and the best winning percentage in all of college football, which uh, was some research that I, didn't, that I found that I didn't know. Um, they've been in the college football playoff just recently, um, obviously losing to us, but nevertheless, making an appearance is, is quite an accomplishment. Um, and although they, they lose a little bit, of you know, they lose some points on stability because they have Lincoln Riley coming in. Um, it's not uh, a total upheaval. Um, he's been in, he's been in that program, so I, they're by far the most talented team in the Big Twelve um, from recruiting over the past handful of cycles. So, at least for the next couple of years, they should should have the inside track to, to continue to win that that uh, conference.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. I think when back when we played them um, in the Orange Bowl a couple seasons ago, we had a, a radio talking head from the Sooner Nation come in and um, kind of say that they've taken sort of a, a maybe like a, a one-star step back from what they were in the early 2000s, that decade of like the Josh Heupel Heisman run, Jason White Heisman run era. and um, But at the same time, you know, Bob Seuss was a great recruiter and what, what I know about their program is their complete ability to kind of reinvent themselves. Bob Stoops is very adaptable. He um, w- would always be willing to defer to his coordinators um, to figure out, like, what system do they need to be running to adapt to the current style of play in the Big 12 or nationally. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Lincoln Gra- Riley can keep that up. Um, I'm not sure what his coordinator situation looks like. If they're keeping guys from on staff or if he's hiring in, haven't looked at that. We'll look at that when we kind of preview the season, but... Um, It's going to be interesting to see where Oklahoma plays out the next couple seasons, but after that, I do think Texas is coming. Um, Tom Herman seems like he's going to be poised for a long-term successful run there, and I would say they probably have the resources edge on Oklahoma, Um, just in terms of size. They have a massive alumni base. Um, Texas, I think, at the moment, you know, a pretty good economic climate. So um, for the most part, I feel like, you know, and they're in Austin versus Norman, much bigger city. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, at least in terms of those things, Texas has a bright future. They're just starting from a, a weaker position, as I think you said.
1: Right. There's some built-in advantages of Texas being number two in revenue last year. Oklahoma, number six, though. Um, so it's not like Oklahoma's, um, you know, dramatically far behind. Exactly. Um, and they've been better lately. Um, you have more talent on the roster right now. So when you're you're balancing next five years all the way through the, the 10 after that, you um, I could see it either way, but I think Oklahoma is the safer bet, especially with proven success with Lincoln Riley on the coaching staff. One one note, one note on something you said um, about Bob Stoops and his uh, his ability to adapt and really to defer to his um, to his coordinators. I think that's just one of the most underrated aspects of being a great coach, and it's it's intellectual honesty, intellectual humility to say, hey, you know, look at Dabo. Hey, Chad Morris knows more than me. He didn't maybe he didn't trust Billy Napier. Napier was junior, but when you brought in Chad Morris, hey, this guy, even though I'm the head coach, he's better than me at this. So I'm going to let him run with it. And I think that's something that not even just in football, but across the board in in business, in many aspects of life, doing that will make you successful. And and coaches that do that tend to be successful.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think if, you know, certainly we want, want to exceed Bob Stoops' national title total for Dabo during his tenure. I believe Stoops has just the one. Uh, but certainly his style and approach over his, you know, 15-plus years, um, more like 18-plus years in Oklahoma, I think is a good model. Um, let's build on it, though. Um, maybe after the sort of uh, Big 12 powerhouses, moving back into the SEC, you've got uh, perennial rivals Auburn at 11 and Georgia at 12. Um how did you kind of go in calibrating these schools? Did you learn anything about them you know, in, in some of your research and how you are forecasting their their future? So there's,
1: there's kind of natural tiers as we're going through this. Um, and after Oklahoma and Texas, there's a bit of a drop. as The level of tradition, the level of resources from Oklahoma and Texas to Auburn and Georgia drops a bit. Um, Auburn does have the 2010 title, but it was a long, long time before uh, before 2010, uh, when, they, when they had the one previous, Georgia won in 1980, just prior to us. Haven't won since. Um, both have um, both have good resources, but not like uh, Oklahoma and Texas. So they were kind of the next tier down. Um, originally, I had Georgia Georgia uh, right above Auburn. I was surprised to see that Auburn has had, had slightly more revenue last year. Um, they have the more recent national championship. Um, they're they're very close to Florida, and they're plenty close to Atlanta um, to pull talent. So. Uh, that's how Auburn barely um, barely got the, got the nod over Georgia, but but that's totally interchangeable.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, and, and by putting these guys eleven and twelve, I feel like looking ahead, it what this really means is in any given year, you can see these teams build up the right talent, get the right breaks, maybe play in a down year for the rest of their leagues, and ultimately achieve top five level success. It's just going to be pretty tough to see them ever achieve consistent top five level even playing in a playoff or for a championship. Um, unless there's a, a serious culture change or something, you know, some other factor to kind of help them get over that hump. Um, I don't, I, don't know if, do.
1: I don't know if I totally agree with that. I think everyone in the top 15 and, and that's why I stopped at 15, um, our programs that I could see having a, I don't want to say Clemson like, but something like that kind of, kind of lift where the, where the exactly, um, it wouldn't be too ridiculous if if Georgia's coaching staff, either this one or, or one later, found their groove, found their message, rec- started recruiting the right players, got momentum, and kept it for you know a decade. That's not unfathomable to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that both both have built-in advantages of location. Although you mentioned on the Auburn side, every year they get to suit up against Alabama, and that can help you in some years. Um, certainly, it vaulted them in the kick six game to have you know the right. Uh, national juice to you know move up in the polls and then ultimately if they win in atlanta they get to go to the title game um and georgia yeah i mean talent hotbed right location um they just never seem to get out of their own way so maybe it was more like my prediction unless do they have the ability to do it right um i'm from
1: atlanta and some of my friends are our big georgia fans and uh when when we won our national championship one of them uh, just that this is just the worst and, what's, what's wrong with Clemson why is this the worst he said well you know Georgia always had the build up we always had the hype and we always fell short but I can always count on Clemson falling short in a more spectacular fashion and now you have a title and we don't it's like they're the Clemson of Tommy Valens era now
0: <laughs> yeah and I'm not sure I mean we'll see what we get out of second year Kirby Smart he gets some of his recruits in but till they're not that's how I look at them too so um. Moving on from there, um, lucky number 13, we have Penn State, kind of fitting in some ways. Um, they've made a little bit of a rebirth of sorts, um, particularly in this last season. And I think, um, not going to say I disagree with where you have them on this list. I think they, among the Big Ten sort of upper echelon teams, I could see them. They, they've got a good you know, level of tradition associated with them. You, know, you, can, you can talk about how much that gets tarnished with the events of the last five or six years, but... Um, Ultimately, I think they are a program on the rise, Um, and I feel like James Franklin will be there for a while. I think last year, if that had gone disastrously, maybe they would have decided to part ways. But I think he's definitely bought himself some credibility and some tenure there, and we'll see what they can do to disrupt the Urban um, Meyer-Jim Harbaugh stranglehold on the top of that league yeah so that was a that was a
1: team throughout all of last year that I just didn't believe in um, particularly because their' slow start um, but as I did more research I saw their recruiting has been has been pretty good I looked into their um, their history and didn't quite totally realize how good the, of a tradition they have um, fun fact the last time uh, Clemson won a national championship the following year they won a national championship um, and so they slowly moved up the rankings and eventually ended up at 13 in the top 15
0: got it after them is uh, another Yankee school. we got Notre Dame coming in there. And um, Notre Dame's definitely in a, a spot of maybe loose footing if, in terms of stability of their current program. Brian Kelly, this I, I have a feeling this will be his last season there, whether um, he, he jets for greener pastures um, in, in the pros or maybe do another program where he can kind of start fresh. But um, Notre Dame, you know, they're always one more hire away from. We're going to hear about it, whether it's deserve it or not. Um, they, they tend to get the benefit of the doubt from a national hype standpoint. Uh, for the time being, they've got strong resources. Um, they have a solid individual television contract. They're um, attached now to the ACC for scheduling. And with the stronger ACC, that bodes well for their own ratings in terms of, as well as revenue sharing with, with ESPN. Um, how do you feel about Notre Dame? I mean, do you, do you see them... What will it take, I guess, for them to kind of move up this list? Or so, so
1: Notre Dame and the one we'll talk about next to fifteen are probably the two toughest to rank. Um, initially, kind of gut feeling, I had Notre Dame in the top ten. I, I it's just, it's the most iconic brand um, in college football. Um, you know, they have Rudy, they have the national championships, um, they have the iconic gold helmets, um, touchdown Jesus, but you know. They've been up and down the last handful of years, but I, I think last year they were 4-8. I think it was a bit of a fluke, because in the four seasons prior, they won 39 games. That's not, that's not bad, and, and people scoff at that as if, as if that's no good. They were in a national championship just a handful of years ago, and I know they got blown out by Alabama, but playing for a national championship is extremely impressive, um, and that's only a couple years ago. So it's not like the program's just been in the doldrums for a decade.
0: Yeah, they gave us a heck of a game in and- in in Death Valley, and um, that season, you know, they they were continuously one win away from um, making the playoff, potentially, two years. And don't
1: forget, they had an incredible amount of injuries that season. They lost uh, Malik Zaire, Deshaun Kaiser wasn't even meant to be the starter, they lost, uh, I think later in the year, they lost uh, Procise, the running back, I think they lost a handful of other guys.
0: Exactly, they had a linebacker go down in the bowl game against Iowa State, so um, anyway, yeah, I think it's you know, we'll see what happens with Brian Kelly maybe they rebound from a disappointing four and eight season I think their Pythagorean rating had them more as a six and six team or even a um a seven and five team but four and eight terrible for them but you know maybe they do rebound this year I haven't looked at their schedule but I think they their program you can't really count out and they're gonna be there you know regardless so even if they do have a regime change a couple of years hence they've got yeah, deep pockets they, they can make the they harder. may
1: have one of the biggest um, standard deviations of any team on the list is in that I could see them really getting back and competing for cha- championships annually, or if things don't work out in the next couple of years, the next coach doesn't work out, I could see them not being very good for a while.
0: Could be. Um, we'll move on from Notre Dame. Last on the list, number one finance team a couple years ago uh, was Texas A&M, the Aggies. Uh, this, is a, this is an interesting program. I feel like growing up, you'd always hear, oh, A&M this, A&M that. They never, they never won anything. 80s and 90s. Um, they've only won one conference championship back in 98. Um, they haven't won a title since 1939. That said, you know they have they've fla- they've flashes of brilliance, flashes of prominence. They've, they're now in the SEC. That's certainly helping their finances. They've redone Kyle Field, uh, which is sort of a fo- college football mecca. Um, I, I hear it's, it's a really solid renovation. Uh, So interesting where they are, I I, I definitely view them sort of on the outside looking in for the most part as a powerhouse. They don't really strike me as a blue blood program. That said, they're in the SEC. They're in Texas, talent rich, hotbed. They can pull regionally, if not nationally. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I think 15 feels about right for these guys. Yeah, there is a strange program because
1: like you said, they're in Texas. They have tons of money. Awesome, awesome facilities with Kyle Field. Fantastic fans. They should. It seems like they should be an elite program, but they only have the one. The they haven't won championships since 1939. But that's that's not it. They haven't won even conference championships hardly at all. They have the one in '98 that you mentioned, um, and they've they've been falling apart towards the end of end of seasons most recently, uh, or recently. Um, I don't I don't know if Kevin Sullivan's gonna last that long. But they they have st- they sh- almost like Texas, where they could just go get Tom Herman. Texas A&M
0: should be in that in that same um, the same vein. Yeah, I mean, I think they could be a destination for Chad Morris with his next role. And no idea if that's going to work out for them. If it does, they could be right there and really knock on the door of the top ten. Um, he can yeah. get that offense turned around with that. Yeah,
1: talent. I I agree. I, I'm optimistic about them. They're another one, um, and this is why they're at 15 because I the standard deviations. I could see them being mediocre for a long time, because they've been mediocre for a really long time, but uh, I could see them being outstanding, too. If they get Chad Morris or if they get Chip Kelly, could they they win some championships with Chip Kelly? I
0: think they'd be right in the conversation. Um, So yeah, they're definitely one to look at. Um, And you've got some really good honorable mentions here. Maybe not to go into them, but thinking back, if we took this back 15 years ago, um, knowing what teams were competing for and winning titles back then, what... You've got a few in this list that have sort of fallen out of that, of that kind of run. And if I look back and think back, coming off like the Peyton Manning era or those amazing Miami teams, I think both Miami and Tennessee, you would have thought 15 years ago, oh, yeah, those teams will definitely be, you know, in the conversation, at least top 10 going into, um, you know, in this era of college football. I think both of those schools have seen, you know, pretty successful, almost among the best um, runs in their school's history kind of peter out and kind of devolve into a a rotating, revolving door of much worse coaches um, and sort of seeing their their local lead in terms of talent retention kind of fade away. Uh, Any thoughts about Miami or Tennessee kind of being able to claw back and reverse the trend the next decade and a half?
1: Yeah, so to your point, those have probably been the the two that have have fallen the most um, in the last 15 years. Had this been a uh, rewrite of a Fifteen-year-old article, um, they probably would have been pretty high. Um, I think Miami is kind of on the cusp, right? That, you think back to when they were excellent. If you're if you're not really relevant for a decade, your tradition starts to fade away. I think another one besides those two that that probably would have been really high. This this really taken a huge drop, probably bigger than them. They didn't even weren't even an honorable mention. To be Nebraska and that. That's what could happen to Miami. If they go five more years, keep losing to Florida State every year, don't win the Coastal, eventually you become like Nebraska, where it's like, hey, yeah, that was a program that used to be good, but they're not, it's not a good program anymore.
0: It's kind of like That's- Boston College, too. And, you know, BC I don't think would have been in anyone's top ten list as a program for consistently. They were always kind of on that above average next year. But they. how long can you sustain these just terrible seasons? You know, I think it's going to have a, an effect over time.
1: Yeah, if you're if you're bad for a long time, maybe you're you're just a bad program. All that being said, I do think Miami will win the Coastal this year, and I and I think they'll they'll start scooching up that list.
0: Could do certainly. They got they've got the talent nearby. I think they're going to be challenged increasingly in the next decade and a half about their facilities, um, their stadium. They put lipstick on a pig with that renovation. It is not a game day atmosphere that belongs anywhere near college football. Um, and you know, just, it's, it's a private institution that's not all that committed to academics. And so they, they could certainly recruit. That's going to help them. But they're going to have challenges.
1: It, it, it's a strange deal. Um, yeah, their, their off-campus uh, football stadium is pretty far off campus. And, and it really takes away from the, the college pageantry of it, um, which makes college football just so much different than, than uh, the NFL.
0: Absolutely. Um, well, rounding out the honorable mentions, I think I maybe wanted to pivot this discussion and ask you, so Clemson recently ended its a 35-year drought of winning a national title. Some of the schools we've mentioned already haven't won one for several decades, others, you know, in our lifetime, but not recently. Um, which, which schools, either on this list or otherwise, do you see next breaking out of that 30-plus-year drought to get a title? So,
1: looking at programs that haven't won in, in you know three decades or so, uh, Georgia hasn't won since 1980. Penn State, I believe they were 86, and, and uh, Notre Dame is in 88. I think if you're betting on one of those, um, you got to lean towards Penn State because because of, of how how they're playing. They have a great coach that's proven himself. Um, Kirby Smart's a little bit more of an unknown. Brian Kelly has been a little bit up and down. I think uh, James Franklin and Penn State is probably the one you're betting on. Is the next one to break a streak Um, Texas A&M you know they haven't won since 1939 but they may be uh, a program that if Kevin Sumlin doesn't get it together they have such good resources I could see them making a big hire and that working out for them but I think if I'm picking one it's Penn State I don't know that I'd bet on any others
0: yeah it makes sense I I feel like I would probably put Georgia in that list but it could be could be 15 years before we see it um, before we see any of these teams break through Um, what about teams that have not won a championship, first-time champs? It's been a long time since we've seen that, actually. It might have been BYU was the last one in 1984 that actually got over the hump for the first time. I'm not, not certain about that. We need to check the facts. But uh, it definitely has been quite a while since we've had a um, first-time champ. Any schools, this list or otherwise, you think might, might get it?
1: So with all of them having already won a championship, you've got to start looking into the, uh, the honorable mentions. You have Wisconsin. I don't think they've won a championship. You've got uh, Stanford, but I, I don't think those schools can recruit at a high enough level to ever win a championship. Um, you look at Louisville; they're one of the probably probably the fastest rising program uh, in the country. You know, they were conference USA not too long ago, um, but you know they're in a conference uh, they're in a division with Clemson and Florida State, better programs uh, who are recruiting at a higher level. And Louisville, maybe they will, but right now they're not recruiting at a level that's high enough to win a championship. Uh, the program that intrigues me most um, that could win a, a championship for the first time is probably Oklahoma State. They had that big influx of money from uh, T. Boone Pickens. They have awesome facilities now. And you just look at the Big 12, and if if Texas and Oklahoma, who are great programs and you know they're in our top 10, as we just discussed, but they both have new coaching regimes, and if they both don't pan out, could be a huge vacuum of power in what would then be a very weak big 12 you could totally see oklahoma state you know coasting through that big 12 and if they're you know put you know they have a senior team and they you know win two games in the playoffs is is possible so that's that's probably the dark horse for uh, a first championship that i would pick but i don't know that i'd pick any to win a first championship
0: yeah the foreseeable future is kind of rough for that list um other ones that i've thought about and looked at um virginia tech you know so they're They're not in the top 15 that you have. They're not really even in honorable mentions. I don't know if they're going to be able to recruit at the level of, you know, four or five star blue chip ratio needed to get there. Um, But, you know, you'd, you'd put them on kind of the upper tier of college football teams that don't have a title. Um, Any thoughts on the Hokies?
1: Yeah. So uh, my second favorite college football podcast after the Clemson podcast is cover two by Athlon sports and Braden gall is fantastic. He made a really good point. Um, About Virginia Tech and kind of schools of that here, is they can only win when they have a truly transcendent talent like a Michael Vick. You think about Virginia Tech and they had a Michael Vick and they still didn't win. You think about Stanford, they had an Andrew Luck, they had a John Elway, um, they had a Christian McCaffrey and they still couldn't win. Uh,
0: Oregon and Mariota with Chip. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Um, So that's what it takes for programs like that to win. And so when they don't do it, it hurts even more. And and maybe if they can't do it with them, maybe they just can't do it.
0: Yeah. I feel like Oregon is probably the one that had the nearest miss. I mean, obviously they played for two titles during the BCS and um, BCS era. They played um, uh, Ohio State, actually, for the college, first college football playoff title and then um, lost to Auburn um, right. a few years back. And I think they were, the, they were the closest shot we've had in a long time of someone getting over the hump here. Um, another couple of interesting schools, um, West Virginia was there. And I put them in the same camp, you know, obviously geographically, but also kind of profile wise with Virginia Tech, uh, where it just might be difficult for them to get the type of talent in there. I mean, I think they've punched above their weight class um, in in the past, but it just feels like maybe the game's kind of passed that, that program by over time. Um, we'll see. I mean, I, I don't know how long Holger, Holgerson's going to be for this world, but um, they, they also seem like one of those, you know perennial names of teams that always kind of sneak in and disrupt, but they don't really have that staying power either.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that West Virginia has a ton of talent right around them. I don't know if the brand is what it was you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, we'll see how, how they do in the Big in the Big 12 now. Um, seems like, you know, they could fall into that same category as Oklahoma State, where if Texas and Oklahoma both fall off at the same time, maybe they're there to kind of fill that void. Uh, but I, I'd feel more, I, I'd be more confident betting on an Oklahoma State um, than than a West Virginia right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately what we're going to end up seeing is either teams out of the top fifteen that you had, or just you know people that have won before coming back and taking more titles. I think you're almost more likely to see someone win two in a row, three in a row, than you are to see one of these schools come up and win one. Yeah, I'd agree with that,
1: and I think past history has shown that you know with Florida, uh, with Alabama. Um, even, even Southern Cal was was making runs where they were constantly uh, in the in the race,
0: so yeah, uh,
1: I, I I totally agree with that.
0: Well, Ryan, why don't we pivot to you know focus the conversation a little bit more on the 2017 season? Um, first of all, you know, great analysis. It's always fun to um, take a step back and kind of look forward to the future, but um, let's kind of keep it a little more in the in the the directly what's ahead of us on the dashboard, if you will, um, and take a look ahead to this season. So. You also put a post up this week, great one, related to who are the true contenders for a title this season, and um, I guess to frame this in the form of a question: Are there any schools outside of the preseason rankings that, outside of the top five or so, that you think you know have a puncher's chance at coming up and um, you know crashing the playoff party and making making some noise in in the title run?
1: Yeah, well, outside of the top five, I think certainly. Um... If you, if you gave me Alabama, Ohio State, and Florida State versus the field, I think that would be a tough decision, and I, and I might take Alabama, Ohio State, Florida State over the field. That being said, I think there's about eight teams where if you said they won a championship, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, if you told me anyone outside of those eight won a championship, I'd be really, really shocked. Um, Washington, Penn State, Southern Cal, those are some of them that I think um, could win that you might not
0: expect. Would where, where you have Michigan in that list? Yeah, Michigan
1: was one that I really uh, struggled with because I think they're the third-best team in their own division. I think uh, Ohio State and Penn State might be better than them this year. But there's something about them, uh, and usually I'm you know, highly analytical, but something about Michigan, the tradition of the programs, something about Harbaugh, you know, it could be a case where, like Clemson, especially Clemson's defense, they lose all these guys, they're not supposed to be good, but Brent Venables is just so good that it doesn't matter. Um, I wonder if that could be Michigan too. Uh, and so I, I put them as the last. I, I said eight programs realistically have a good shot of winning a championship without you know, miracle after miracle, and Michigan was the last one to make that list.
0: Yeah, I mean, if they are able to get through that gauntlet of a, a Big Ten East uh, schedule, you you have to imagine... Um, so so that's you know ultimately two games they need to win and not stumble out stumble up elsewhere if they're able to do that if you know we're going to see Rashawn Gary see what Clemson missed out on um, see see what he can look like in his second year there Um, if you know if they actually can get over the hump I think that sets them up well for competing in in the playoff scenario Um, on the other hand I think it's it's really going to fall in terms of their offense and how productive they can be Um, it seems like they, from what talent they lost, they're able to, their defense to me feels like that'll be the strength of that team. Um, but yeah, I kind of have, have my doubts about Michigan. I think I would put them at the bottom of my list too. Um, maybe going conference by conference though, you, you mentioned Southern Cal in Washington. I think it, that is a two-horse conference. Um, any thoughts about which one of those you, you think actually is, is better poised to lead their team into the playoff?
1: Yeah, um, so so that, so that is kind of a two-horse conference, um, almost like the ACC. Now, the ACC has, has some depth with Louisville, Miami, but but two teams that you believe could win it and two teams that you believe can win a championship uh, could be set of both conferences. Um, Washington was awesome last year, great story. Uh, it's actually a program that's it's a pretty decent program historically, um, but Southern Cal just, e- even when they have struggled all these years and they had the probation, they still have a lot more talent than Washington, I shouldn't say a lot. They still have clearly more talent than Washington. Um, And I think as the last year progressed, um, you saw that finally start to come out. So if they could finally have some stability with Clay Helton um, as their established head coach now, I I would certainly bet on Southern Cal over Washington at this point, especially with Sam Darnold now, uh, who's kind of coming into his own as an elite quarterback. He's maybe a Heisman frontrunner if it's not uh, Lamar Jackson.
0: I could see that big, big, or sorry, the Pac-12 championship game actually being a a battle of two undefeateds. Possibly USC coming in with one loss um, in their schedule. Washington just has yet another cupcake schedule. We'll have to catch up with our good friend of the pod, Dan, to talk through that one. But um, though they may be undefeated, I don't think they'll be getting very much like top three hype unless they're just. You know, Jake Browning and and Coke can completely put something together. Washington also lost a lot of talent to the league. So uh going to be interesting to see what they can put back together. I'm out here on the West Coast. We're going to be hearing a lot about both of those programs. I guess that's why we started there.
1: Yeah, Um, Southern Cal does play Texas and Notre Dame this year. But, but you know, if they're really a top-four team, those are very winnable games for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Sam Darnold, he's going to have a lot of Heisman hype, too. Um deserve it or not but yeah they're, they're definitely one of the top five hottest teams to wrap up the season um, and that that Rose Bowl game was amazing so
1: yeah so I just pulled Southern Cal's schedule up week two Stanford at home week three Texas at home uh, they have a cupcake in uh, week one so if they start three now I would be surprised if they're not in the top four if not you know top two or three
0: um, getting tons of hype and and deservingly Right, and I think it'd be difficult for Washington to overcome that, but uh, that that should be a really, really solid championship game. Thinking that's what we're going to see. Um, out in the Big Twelve, any any title hopefuls out there?
1: Um, Oklahoma's the only one I, I would consider, um, and maybe if Bob had Bob Stoops had not left, maybe they'd crack that list. But and this is no disrespect to Lincoln Riley. I think it's a perfectly good hire, but you know, you get a first year coach versus, you know, a potential hall of fame kind of guy, there's gotta be some drop off. And and frankly, they're, you know, they haven't really been able to compete with Clemson Ohio state kind of teams lately anyway. So, um, you know, Oklahoma has to play Ohio state this year in the regular season. I think that's likely a loss. And, um, the big 12 was finally added a conference championship game, which I think is awesome for the conference. It's, it was crazy that the NCAA didn't allow them to do that previously. Um, but they go to Stillwater, so I don't think I think they lose two out of three between two likely matchups with Oklahoma State and Ohio State, and that should be enough to keep them out.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Um, it's I think they they're set up unfortunately for a gotcha moment. They could get they could you know upset Oklahoma State. Um, maybe it won't be an upset at that point, but they could get over on their opponent in the bedlam game and have to face them one week later. And right, I can't imagine um, having to do that twice. You know, come back and beat your opponent very capable Oklahoma State team. So, um, yeah, again, no yeah, disrespect, more... but I, I agree. I don't necessarily think that they're a they're a contender.
1: Yeah, I think they'll have a good year, though. More likely I could see them losing two games but still managing to win the conference um, and, you know, going to a good bowl. And, you know, it's a good year, but I just don't really see them as a as a true contender to win the national championship. Not just to make the playoff, but to actually win the national championship. And even if they got to the playoff, I don't believe they could beat you know, Alabama, Clemson consecutively, or or Florida State and Southern Cal consecutively. I just, I just don't believe they can do that.
0: Got it. Um, up in the Big Ten, we mentioned Michigan already. Um, looks like you have Penn State here and then Ohio State in the true sort of favorites category. Um, you mentioned your top three versus the field. Ohio State firmly in that. Uh, what would it take, do you think, for Penn State to come away winning this this conference? Hmm.
1: Um, well, They won the conference last year, so I don't think it's a stretch to think they could win the conference. Um, Ohio State should be better, but, you know, they lost a ton of talent from that secondary. They've got really good talent replacing them, but maybe that's an area where they struggle. Um, They also lost – they returned their starting quarterback, but uh, they weren't very effective last year. They have a new offensive coordinator coming in. I think hopes are extremely high that you'll see the offense kind of take a new look and be a lot more effective. But, you know, that's kind of new – uh, a, a new plan there with a new coordinator and you know those don't always work out like you expect so I, th- I think that penn state's the second best team in that in that conference and if ohio state doesn't live up to the hype i think penn state absolutely could could win the conference they beat them last year they won the conference last year i would i would absolutely be picking ohio state but i, I don't think penn state's is stretched by any imagination
0: yeah this game's going to be played in columbus right around halloween um, it looks like it's like a noon game basically so could be a weather game. We'll see. Crazier stuff's happened. But um, it's not like it's an early season matchup where, um, you know, some of the the newness of talent and aspects of the Ohio State team is going to, you know, they're going to have two months under their belt by that point. Um, should definitely be a game to circle on the calendar. It'll uh, also be a revenge kind of game. Definitely. Yep. So, yeah, I think, you know, the money should be on Ohio State to win the, the Big Ten here. Um, what about the SEC? It's kind of surprised to see, I mean, I guess not knowing kind of where the state of that conference is, but you really only add one team there, Alabama, with the capability to win a title.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's what the SEC is is these days. Um, you know, Florida and LSU are good programs, but they're you know LSU as as a new coach. Um, I think they'll I think they'll be solid. Um, I don't think they're ready to compete for national championships. They have uh, Denny Etling as their starting quarterback. Uh, I don't think they have. Quite, I don't think they're quite Alabama where you can win with practically anybody at quarterback. I don't think they're there yet. Uh, Florida, great program, but but they're still, I don't think even in a conversation, I don't, I don't think there'd be a whole lot of debate there. Uh, Georgia could be a dark horse, but I don't think they could win consecutive playoff games against Florida State, Ohio State
0: kind of teams. Yeah. Um, I think the only one that I would maybe consider throwing into the group, maybe right after Michigan, would have been uh, Auburn. They come in as a top 10 team. You got Jared Stidham coming in at quarterback. Um, already, some capable runners on that team. Um, if they're able to win it on the road at Clemson, that will set them up pretty well for um, the rest of their run. You know, obviously, there's the Iron Bowl in no the matter of getting past Alabama in the West, but if they're able to do that as well. I'd have to put them, you know, right up there for competing for it.
1: Yeah, and I think that's probably the most fair. Uh probably the next team on the list and i mentioned them in the article is them and i believe oklahoma is kind of the next two but but i did put them out because they go to clemson they go to lsu um, and then they host georgia and alabama and even if they win all those they assuming that they beat georgia they'd have still have to play florida most likely in a conference championship game i just don't know that they could avoid two losses there um maybe they could sneak in with two losses and and find and manage their way through but I, I, that's where it starts to become a stretch. But if you included them, I think that's probably the last team that I feel like is reasonable.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Interesting state of affairs in the SEC where where that's the case. But that's kind of what happens when you've got, you know, decade plus of chasing Nick Saban with all of your hires, hiring his, you know, cast-off coordinators, et cetera. Um, you know, they're just not able to beat, beat the big guys. So um, kind of a, not a rebuilding mode for that conference, but definitely like a redefinition of, their profile, and um, we're starting to see that at the upper tiers of of uh, college football, and um, I think you know the teams that have stepped up to fill that vacuum. You've, you know, we're mentioning two teams now from the ACC, three from the Big Ten, two from the Pac twelve. I don't think any of those conferences would have had that many that many teams, you know, five years ago. Um, so definitely, the profile of kind of who can come away and win this is has changed somewhat. I think it's still a pretty top heavy state of affairs nationally with really three teams being, as you mentioned, the favorites. But um, maybe we could wrap up with the ACC. And knowing this is a Clemson podcast, we can spend the last few minutes talking about Clemson. But do you want to touch on the Seminoles' season, sort of what's at stake for them?
1: Yeah, so uh, Clemson hasn't won the ACC three times um, since Danny Ford uh, was our coach, and that's before Florida State was in the conference. Um, So they certainly don't want that to happen. They've been the top dogs in this conference since they joined in, in '92, um, and they've got they've got a schedule that starts off with Alabama and ends at Florida, so they've got a tough road. They also go to Clemson, um, but you know them in Alabama, maybe Ohio State are, are probably the most talented teams in the country. Uh, they return their quarterback. They get good offensive line play. Um, they absolutely could win a national championship this season. They lost Dalvin Cook, but they brought in superstar uh, freshman Cam Akers at running back. Um, I think they could, they could absolutely win, but it really starts up front. And if they don't have a good enough offensive line um, to keep their quarterbacks healthy, then then they could really run into trouble.
0: Yeah, I think a big question on everyone's mind here is, can DeAndre Francois take a step forward? Um, he's proved capable in many of his games, but I think that above average is kind of where he's, he's sat at the moment. And for them to beat Alabama in that first game, they're going to have to get a little bit more than they've seen out of him to date um, to get – get past that really, really tough defense. Um, after that, you know, they'll also have a very tough road contest at Clemson later in the season. Uh, You know, those two, either of those two games could keep them out of, um, you know, beat Alabama. You could potentially survive a loss to Clemson or vice versa. Um, but that said, you know, I think they're going to, in order to really be in the driver's seat for a title uh, this year, I think they're going to need to, they can't lose both those games essentially. Um, and we'll come down to Francois. Both of the, those, will, those two teams will be among the top five toughest defenses in the country. Um, and to have a quarterback play anything less than spectacular is going to be rough. Um, I think Florida State, they are replacing a lot of talent also on their defense, but they do get Derwin James back. And he's the type of player and the type of talent that can make all the difference and potentially ch- swing the outcome of games, um, like the Clemson contest, especially with Clemson trying to figure out its identity at QB.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think Florida State is, it's, to me, the, the only question I have about Florida State, I don't think DeAndre Francois is a superstar. He's above average. But he, he really he tends to hang on to the ball too long, and their offensive line is, is a clear weakness on that team. If if they leave him out to dry like they, they did so much last year, um, you know, that iconic sack where Dexter Lawrence just kind of smushed him, um then they're probably not going to win the National Championship. If their offensive line takes a step forward, I think that they could win the National Championship. I think they could beat Alabama if that happens. But um, right now it's a huge unknown, and I don't know if you bet on that.
0: Yeah, I think that their schedule does them no favors this year in terms of who they get at home, who they go on the road to face, and certainly out of conference. I think regardless, you know, unless they get completely wiped out by Alabama, I think that game will help them. They won't fall too far if they do lose. Um, but then to go later on the road to Clemson, as we mentioned, is going to be tough. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely consider Florida State with who they bring back and the, the high high level of recruiting that they've done to be truly a top top three pr- program at this point. Um, but not really ready to place a bet on the Knowles just yet until we see what you get out of that line and, and Francois this season. Um,
1: I think one one thing worth mentioning in their favor is that last year they were they were pretty terrible early in the. Year. Not pretty terrible. They were pretty close to average at the start of the year. Completely embarrassed by Louisville. But by the end of the year, they won the Orange Bowl. Um, So they improved a lot as the season went on, which is something you want to see. And the same thing with uh, Penn State and with Southern Cal. That's why all those programs are ones where we're pretty high on them going into this year. Because the way they finished last year, they improved throughout the year. And they brought back a lot of that talent. So I think that bodes well for them. What doesn't bode so well for them is they get Clemson late in the year when Clemson's pretty likely to have found a quarterback and be playing some pretty good football at that time of year.
0: Yeah, it's funny. It feels like we go, we've kind of flip flop between getting them later in the season in November versus September. Um, it seems like finally we're starting to, the ACC's wising up and learning that, you know, middle to late season is when you want to have your marquee games played, um, versus the second, third week of September. Um, unlike 2014 and, um, I think 2015, we also played them, but, uh, yeah, it might have been 13. Anyway, um, yeah, that, that's going to be a great matchup. And there's not a lot of time to recover from a loss um, in that game for either team. So that one may well be for all the marbles. You never know what Louisville does. Maybe, you know, they can recapture some of the magic of their early season run and make things tough in the Atlantic for either of these teams. But um, for the most part, I imagine that um, November game should be, should be a big one for the Atlantic.
1: Yeah, you know, we, we, we sort of do a disservice to Louisville because we always refer to, and not just you, but almost everyone refers to the Clemson-Florida State game as the ACC Atlantic Championship. But last year it wasn't. Last year it was Clemson-Louisville because Louisville's losses um, were a lot of non-conference losses. Um, and if we had lost to Louisville, we don't win the last championship. We don't even win the ACC. So um something, something we forget because we did lose to Pittsburgh, so that would have that been the killer.
0: Yeah, and I think to counter your point about Penn State, USC, and Florida State, Louisville did the opposite. They started out hot. Their offensive line just turned into paper mache and uh, they, they've collapsed down the stretch, really costing themselves a chance to compete for a title. Um, things could be reversed this year. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson's back. You know, obviously, I don't think either of us see Louisville as a contender for a title, but things could break their way. They, they do have a somewhat of a favorable schedule. They, they host Clemson. Um, Early on in the season when Clemson is likely to be still finding its quarterback footing, could be coming off um, a tough game against Auburn as well. So, um, that yeah, Louisville could be an interesting dark horse here in the ACC. Um, They'll certainly have to go down to Tallahassee and face a tough Florida State team. But um, I think really Louisville, similar to Florida State, you need to see what you can get out of that offensive line and what they can do to protect their quarterback
1: louisville is a nice uh nice case study on uh recruited talent that's that's a, a program where last year we were looking at them we do our our weekly uh analysis of their of their 2d depth, depth chart on the offensive lines just starters and uh you know they had some two-star guys three-star guys not a ton of ret- recruited talent on that on that o line man clemson's defense the d line might might beat these guys up and they kind of did, and and you know Louisville was allowing a lot of sacks all year, but it got worse and worse and worse. And by the end of the year, you said, hey, you know this makes sense. They don't have a lot of talent on the O line. Of course, it's a weakness. Um, and so those those kind of numbers, you know, they're not perfect. And obviously, some three stars end up being superstars, and some five stars are bust, But more or less, five stars are better than three stars. And, and they got a bunch of two and three stars on that offensive line.
0: Right. They haven't completely overhauled that that unit in the interim months, right? So.
1: And like Clemson, that, that may be just the unit that takes the longest to, uh, to kind of bring to the next level when you're a rising program. Because yeah. it was for Clemson.
0: They also replaced their defensive system on the other side of the ball. I think they were trying to go from a 4-3 to a 3-4. New coordinator there. Um, Todd Grantham's out. I think he went to an SEC school, um, spacing on which team. But anyway, you know, that, making that switch, that, tra- that transition, sometimes you need a one- to two-year you know, talent restock. Be able to make mm-hmm. that effective. So, um, Mississippi State. That's right, exactly. Um, so anyway, yeah, I think maybe Louisville is not necessarily going to compete for the Atlantic, but should be ex- an exciting game nonetheless for Clemson fans heading up to Louisville to, to watch.
1: Yeah, one other note on Louisville—they did just lose uh, Chris Williams, one of the defensive linemen. He was a transfer from one of the Mississippi uh juco's which if you've watched uh, last chance you is it, kind of interesting because that's one of the teams that east east mississippi community college uh w- wipes up and down with so nice that, that hurts them too yeah i
0: haven't i haven't watched that series yet i need to need to try to fit that in the next couple of weeks um it, it,
1: it's really great i just started it it's it's really fascinating because it it, it, it lags behind um where these players are in real life. So you, you know what happened to a lot of them. Like James Franklin ends up at Auburn, obviously, because we, we saw him last year and just, it's incredible how intimate the cameras were with these players and how open the players were to acting like themselves. It, it, it's, it's truly an interesting just learning experience to see like who these players are, what type of players go through this. It's it's, it's, it's really interesting.
0: Yeah, definitely check it out. Uh, okay. So the team we haven't covered yet, the Clemson Tigers, um, uh, Clearly, you know, we see them coming off a championship season losing a good amount of starting talent, however returning a tremendous amount of depth and experience. I think when you have a team that's run this many plays and played in this many high-profile games the last couple seasons, naturally we're going to get a lot of reps for guys up and down the roster. And I think that bodes well when we do sort of graduate guys and send guys to the league a year early. The cupboards aren't completely bare here. And the way that, you know, just recruiting is lined up, players on this team have lined up, um, we do bring a lot of our best talent from last year's championship team back, mostly on the defensive side of the ball, but you can't look back, look past some of the guys like Deion King and Mitch Hyatt um, coming back on offense either. Um, maybe to pivot this into the factors it'll take for Clemson to win a title, um, maybe on one side of the ball or on either side of the ball, um, what is something that you think really needs to go Clemson's way on defense and then offense in order for them to have a shot? I think on defense, we're going to need some injury luck on that defensive
1: line. We may have the best starting four offensive, uh, defensive linemen in the country. Um, you know, We lost Carlos uh, Watkins, but Dexter Lawrence comes back. Um, we've got a ton, a ton of talent there, but uh, with, with some, some of the guys departing, the depth isn't quite what we're used to uh, seeing, and we like to cycle guys through. Uh, losing Scott Pagano, um, to me, was a little strange. It uh, seems like he would have gotten plenty of playing time. Um, but with his transfer to Oregon, that, that leaves us a little thin. And then the Richard Jurgen injury in that car accident, um, obviously, beyond football, that that just stinks. But um, as far as the football team, he was going to be a, a key reserve at the, at the end, and losing him, um, that, it's a blow. It's, it's definitely a blow.
0: Yeah, Clemson's had strong recruiting classes in years past. Um, you know, th- we we do have the talent level there, but the experience may not be there necessarily. With you know Xavier Kelly, uh, the, the likes of him coming in at the, the end position to step into the, the spot vacated by Jurgen. But agree, I think you know injury luck on D, the D line is going to be crucial because that is the unit that's going to really that'll be the straw that stirs the drink on defense and causes all kinds of havoc up front that you know can can then allow guys building experience in the secondary, for instance, to uh, get their footing and um, really make opposing quarterbacks pay.
1: Yeah, and and the way Brent Venables coaches defense, it, it always starts up front. A lot of blitzes, a lot of disruption. Um, got to stay healthy. Got got need to be dominant up front defensively. That's where Clemson's defense has, has made its hay and, and where it will continue to if, if we're going to compete for another national championship.
0: How about on the offensive side of the ball? If you sort of had a, a wish list or a, a must have factor um, for Clemson to compete to repeat, what do you think that'd be?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously it's quarterback, so I won't I won't say that because that's kind of the uh, that's kind of it's cheating. The known, yeah, exactly. Um, I think there's there's two spots that that scare me. If you want to make me pick, you can, but uh, center is, is certainly one. I think our offensive line overall will be very good. Um, return a lot of guys, but we don't return Jay Guillermo at center, and he and he was awesome, um, really really great player and, and pretty cool cool guy, cool story. He had um, he had depression and and he went public with it, kind of to um, take that stigma away from the mental illness and and all that. I thought that was that was really cool, and and he came up huge um, and did a great job down the stretch uh, last year after having to to sit a little while, um, and we saw Justin Falsonelli. You know, he, he was a pretty solid recruit, and maybe he takes a huge step forward and we're fine, but we haven't seen it yet, so that's certainly a concern. Um, it's quite possible that uh, Gage Srivanka, uh, out of Greenwood, he was recruited as a defensive lineman. They moved him to O-line because, on the one hand, at the time, there's so much depth in the D-line he wasn't going to play. Ironic now that we tell him. But he might start at center, so it might work out. Um,
0: Ryan, do you see this position, uh, call it a position battle, um, potentially playing out in terms of – or predicated on who ends up getting the starting quarterback role. Like, is there any sense of this that is sort of like a pitcher-catcher battery in baseball where, you know, um, Clayton Kershaw likes throwing to Yasmani Grandall? You know, is there a center, let's say, that right. Hunter Johnson wants to – has a good communication vibe with, et cetera?
1: I don't know. I don't know that it works that way. Um, and I don't know that it works that way so much in college versus,
0: versus pros where superstar quarterbacks kind
1: of call their shots – Um, I'd find that a little surprising, but, um, so, so no, so no, I don't think that's the case. Do you?
0: No, I mean, I, I I don't expect, you know, the center's not going to be calling the the next pitch, that kind of thing. But, you know, just in terms of communication at center is so key, not only with the quarterback, but with his co-offensive lineman as well. Um, and that's something that I I know Jay Garbo had was in lockstep with the rest of his unit. But I don't know, just curious if there's like some other factor besides, you know, ability to. Protect the run or in blocking schemes, et cetera, um, that's gonna decide this.
1: Yeah, I mean, the only other thing that i that that I think fits in in that category would be if Kelly Bryant leads a, a very run heavy attack um, or or uh, an attack that includes a lot of uh, running to the edge, would a more agile, um, quicker offensive line uh, be advantageous or a more run block uh, focused offensive line be advantageous? Um, that may be possible, but overall I think just the best player will play, more or less.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I certainly see that as a, an open question mark for the success of the offense, quarterback being the biggest one. Um, I'm curious, you mentioned another potential factor. What do you think? Yeah, t- tight
1: end. Um, Milan Richard is, is listed as the first teamer. He was he was a pretty big recruit a couple of years ago. Um, I think he's uh, a nephew of Jesse Tuggle, if I remember correctly. Um, but he has one total catch in his career, one catch nine yards, and he's going to be our starter and. I don't think people totally remember or comprehend um, just how critical Jordan Leggett was. He kind of turned off the fan base, me included, me especially, a couple of years ago when he called himself lazy and he's just so athletic and kind of seemed like he was just relying on athleticism. Um, but he kind of grew up the last few, last two years or so, especially last year when his blocking got better. and He had over 700 yards receiving. He had a good number of touchdowns. He had a huge touchdown in the Florida State game. He had – maybe the biggest reception of the national championship game, uh, a ridiculous sprawling diving catch that had no business making that set us up in uh, three plays later. We won the national championship. Um, and now we've got a guy and Milan Richard may be great, but we just haven't seen it because he hasn't had a ton of opportunities. So um, we're going from a guy who had 700 yards last year to a guy who had not, who has nine in his career. So pretty big question mark. And the guys behind Milan Richard um, talking about like DJ Greenlee um cannon smith more of thumper uh blocker types who don't really have his upside chadel bell um was a uh, pretty big wide receiver recruit he uh he moved to tight end i guess year before last um or before last season a red of last year he was at a brookwood high school in atlanta and he, he was a big recruit too um he wasn't even on the summer um depth chart which is a little disappointing to me because he seems like he has some upside but we'll, we'll see uh, what comes from him and what comes from that that position in general? But I think it's a pretty big question mark.
0: Yeah, I think two things that'll be really important to look at through fall camp here. But <clears throat> you can maybe pivot that to be less about talent, more about the offensive coaching staff and figuring out okay, like what what weapons do we have that um, maybe in the past where we relied on Leggett to get first downs or um, you know really pick us up in c- critical clutch plays, you're gonna have to find another contributor on this offense and. Um, I think the the upside or the benefit is we're pretty deep in our in terms of our wide receiver and pass catcher stable there, just don't really have that tight end go to just yet. But maybe that's something where someone will emerge. Uh, but I think you know we talked about it on our one of our last shows. I think this will be the year that Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott, with the way they develop this offensive playbook and um, really find the footing of this offense. I think this is where they'll really earn um, a lot of people's you know long term respect. Um,
1: it, yeah. Yeah, um, you're stealing the words out of my mouth. Uh, Brian uh, Brian Goodison and uh, and I and a handful of others um, have been working on a season preview magazine, and and I I wrote the Tony Eli- Tony Elliot kind of profile preview um, page on that, and and that's exactly what I said. You know, he's he's been. I mean, if you just look at his two years, he's you know one of the best offensive line. Lo- uh, be- Best offensive play callers, the best offensive coordinators in the country. I mean, what they've done in two years, he's, he's never not played for a national championship as an offensive coordinator. Now he loses a ton of uh, you know, senior talent, a ton of junior talent, superstar greatest player in program history, at quarterback. If they can keep it going, then he, he kind of gets that Brent Venable status where it doesn't matter who you'll lose. He's just so good. It just keeps moving. Yeah. Um, so
0: that'll be interesting. It becomes a little more about him and what they're able to do, and a little bit less about oh, you just had Deshaun for the most part. Right. So um, definitely looking forward to that. Well, um, not to steal too much thunder from the preview content you guys got coming out, but um, maybe talk me through your expectations for the season. You know, maybe a little more framed around the schedule, less around the talent.
1: Yeah. So I mean, Florida State's obviously the toughest game, but we're fortunate that it's at home. Auburn's probably the next next uh, toughest game. Fortunate that it's at home. Um, what where it gets interesting is is the timing of these games and the Clemson quarterback situation, which I know everyone's talked about so much. We didn't even touch on, but you know we're in week two and we've got no matter who the quarterback is, they haven't started but one one week at most, even if it's the same quarterback that starts against Kent State. So week two, Clemson may not be the same team uh, as they are in the third to final week of the year, um, and so it, it's quite possible that. That Clemson could lose to, lose to Auburn, and then improve so much they beat an even better Florida State team, still win the win the ACC, win it for three years in a row. Going back to those Danny Ford uh, kind of runs, and then you start thinking this is one of the best runs in Clemson history. Um, but overall, I'd say uh, probably ten wins is probably a fair expectation. Lose lose one of those two games to Auburn or Florida State, maybe drop one other. Um, those those tend to happen. It's uh, pretty unprecedented that we had the run we did or we uh, we never lost to uh, an unranked team. We hadn't lost to any in between NC State and 11 and Pitt, which is pretty ridiculous and not something you really, really bet on.
0: I I think the football gods uh, gave us one last year against NC State. We might give one back this year. We'll have to see. Um, you know Everyone's talking them up on their defensive line as one of the best in the country. I think we may have the edge there, but... It, it's It's always a tough place for us to play. I think that's maybe one if you had to pick an upset on this calendar. Um, I'm not sure going to Louisville and losing there would qualify as a huge upset, especially if we're still figuring out who's the signal caller under center. But, yeah, I'd say either of those two games, if I had to a loss.
1: You, you know, Clemson fans have this weird fear that we we always struggle with NC State. And every year I feel like it's the game that every, every Clemson fan— Every ESPN expert, everyone who knows college football always says, man, NC State, they're going to sneak up on Clemson, and they never do. They, they, they play us close, but they never beat us. They beat us that one time in 2011. They're not a good program. I think they get way too much credit. Nothing against their fans, nothing against Raleigh, but it's not a good football program. We're going to beat them again because we're a better program. We're better at football. We have better kids. Um, that's, I think Virginia Tech's way scarier. I think Louisville's way scarier. I think Georgia Tech's a superior program. Um, I, that everyone's saying NC state and they just, I, I just, just disagree with that.
0: Yeah. I think what the pit game showed us last year also is that, um, we can lose a game at home, unfortunately. Um, and that's really the, some would say we needed that pit loss last year. I kind of beg to differ on that. I think, um, I don't know that it snaps us out of any of our, our bad ways. Um, there were still interceptions thrown after that, et cetera. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it, this team can definitely get got, um, any given week, but, um, anyway, but definitely bullish on this season and maybe just just to add an exclamation point, we've won 12 out of 13. (laughs) Okay. Let's make it, let's make it 14, 13 out of 14. (laughs) Um, any any other maybe highlights on the schedule that you're looking forward to? Are you, are you going to hit up any road games this year?
1: Yeah, so last year I went to uh, a lot of road games. And it seems that the way the schedule is now, it kind of rotates. One year you have all your good home games, Florida State at home. One game you have all your good road games. Um, this year we have a lot more good home games, um, which is good to got Florida State and South Carolina at home. Um, and Auburn, right? So you have uh, – oh, sorry, we don't get South Carolina at home. We get Auburn instead. Um the, the road trip I'm really excited about, I'll probably end up going to more than just this, but the one that I've already planned got tickets I'm really stoked about is Virginia Tech. I've heard it's fantastic, and I've never been, and I'm really looking forward to that one. Just never heard anything negative about that place.
0: Yeah, it should be great, and we just played them. You know, we've we played two of our biggest ACC games against them of the past you know six-plus years. we got our first ACC title playing Virginia Tech in that game. Um, so, yeah, it should be, should be great. Yeah. Um, they're, they should be slightly down. They lost um, Gerard Evans at quarterback, but um, Justin Fuente will get some of his re- recruiting talent in there, and that would be a really strong game. I, I think I agree with you in terms of outside of our like clearly top 10 ranked opponents. That, that should be one of our toughest matchups, um, and that's the last weekend in September, I believe, so you should have some pretty good foliage and good weather up there too.
1: Yeah, and you, you drive through the mountains to get there coming from either Atlanta or from Clemson, so it, it should be really beautiful.
0: Yep. Well, Ryan, thanks so much. Um, Any parting thoughts on this this upcoming campaign?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is unlike maybe some of the previous years. Um, I I think the the floor and the ceiling is a little wider apart. You know, if we don't figure out our quarterback, we don't figure out a tight end, we don't figure out a center. You have some injuries on the D line. This could be a down year. Um, And they they kind of get a pass for what they've done in the years prior, and all the talent that's departed. But a few things go their way. I think they're still capable of winning the national championship. I don't think that's the expectation. I don't think it's a failure if they don't. I think if they win the ACC for the third year in a row, it would be an unbelievable accomplishment. And I think if they if they just win 10 games, or you, even 10 games after the bowl game, I think most Clemson fans should be pleased. But I think it's it's just interesting that this year is so, uh, you know, we lost so much talent, you, you could see them really taking a big step back. But at the same time, the program has really, kind of like what we talked about before, they've kind of started to get some blue in their blood, become an elite program, and even when they lose all those guys, they can still kind of believe they can compete for a national championship, which is pretty cool.
0: Well, and if you, if you think about what needs to go right, if some of those things do coalesce, you beat an Auburn team, you beat Florida State, Florida State we've got in kind of our top three, if you will, you know, <clears throat> does, does the talent out in Alabama with, with what they're bringing back, and Ohio State with what they're bringing back. Um, chances are you're going to face one or both of them in the playoff coming up. Like, you know, if, if things break the right way, I certainly feel like Clemson should have the talent and the experience and potentially even be in the head of, of either of these opponents coming into those tough matchups.
1: Yeah, well, the thing is, if Clemson was to really get that far, then it would likely mean that they found a very good quarterback by that point in the season, in which case you would believe that they could beat him. If it's week one, I don't think you'd bet on that. But if it's in the playoff, at that point, Clemson obviously must have had a pretty good quarterback to get there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I kind of view this season as a little bit gravy, um, you know, in light of what you what you mentioned, and uh, kind, of a, kind of a bummer to have some guys which could be there last year before heading into the league in the form of Mitch Hyatt and Krisha Wilkins, um, but, you know, kind of see them go through what could potentially be a, a reloading season, uh, but I think what is also true elsewhere on this team, you're going to get a lot of guys' good experience this year and recruiting class is looking good for next year. So just, you know, restock the cabinets and um, move on to maybe finding that, that ultimate, you know, replacement quarterback for Deshaun, if it's not any guys that figure it out this year. Yep. Good stuff. Well, uh, thanks again, Ryan. Appreciate having you on. Um, you want to plug your guys' uh, season preview coming up?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, a handful of us are working on a, uh, a paid um, season preview full magazine. Uh, so we'll have details on that on that soon. So be sure to follow me on on Twitter at Ryan underscore Cantor, K-A-N-T-O-R, um, and, and, and keep an eye on Chicken the Southland. And then, of course, we'll have our huge uh, season preview week uh, the week prior to uh, kickoff where we dropped. Um, Twenty some odd articles on the website, and give you everything you could possibly ask for. Um, every season preview, expected wins, um, position groups, all that will be on there. So um, as we get towards the end of, uh, as we get into August, keep checking the site, and we'll start getting some pretty interesting articles. So definitely keep an eye on checking the Southland.
0: Beautiful, will do. Thank you, everyone. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at, at Clemson Podcast. We're also on Facebook. Um, You can subscribe to us with your favorite podcast app and stream our shows directly on SoundCloud. Thank you once again, and go Tigers. Go Tigers.